0: Ah, yes, friends, on a Monday, and a victory Monday at that. It is OGP One Giant Podcast. I am Adam Armbrecht. That is Andy Makowitz, and he, today, this morning, now more than ever, is healthy, wealthy, and wise off a 13-7 division win at home, nonetheless, where Big Blue has struggled uh, this season or for the last decade. Either way, Andy, how we feeling? Win. Win for Big Blue.
1: It's always good when you take the Ferrari out of the garage, like the Giants did. The offense was humming from start to finish. The Giants boat raced the Philadelphia Eagles. How much better could it be Adam? It was exactly how we all thought it was going to go.
0: Perfection is not something easily obtained. And yet the New York Football Giants did exactly listen to this one. Um, Listen, it's a 13-7 victory. We're going to get to the offensive side of things. We obviously know Jason Garrett out. We officially find out, essentially, as the game starts, uh, just before it, that Freddie Kitchens has the headset on. He's on the sidelines down from the booth upstairs, so you know that he's going to be making the calls on the offensive side. We're going to get into that. But I think the obvious and most important way that we look at at, at this game in particular is to say it's a really strong performance from the New York football Giants defense, they forced four turnovers in this one. We're going to lump in the fact that they took just two penalties in this game as a team, which is a big step forward for them as well from a discipline standpoint. But talk about the defensive side of the ball, Andy. This is a game where coming into it, we thought, you know, Jalen Hurts, Philly. We mentioned it in, in the buildup. Okay, is he the best passer in the world? Maybe not, but he has the legs. The run game has been strong for Philly, and they've been having success of late. So when you come into this one, we had our predictions. I don't think you we easily saw it saying and then the Giants will just hold Philly to seven points and we'll be able to win that game it's a very interesting combination of elements but just sing the praises man because that's what this is about this is a nice win for the Giants in the division
1: two two names stick out right away to me one is Patrick Graham I mean yeah. you got if, if you're gonna lambast him for some of the performances against some of the upper echelon teams like the Cowboys and and the, the Rams and the Buccaneers, you have to give him his flowers on a day like today because we talked about it on the pregame. You know, Jalen Hurts was on the ground tremendous and allowed himself to open up big passing plays, had this big-time connection with Devonta Smith over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Patrick Graham basically said, we're not going to allow any of that to happen. And he said, we are going to eliminate Devonta Smith from the game plan. You are not going to be able to get him the ball and get him going. And it worked. It worked to perfection. Devonta Smith had two catches for 22 yards, completely took him out of the game. And, you know, Odori Jackson goes out of the game early. You have a bunch of injuries, you know, to the the secondary. I think Darnay Holmes also left after getting an interception. They were down a few big-time players on defense, and it didn't seem like they skipped a beat because I got to say Patrick Graham masterfully called that game on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Listen, this is one where you know you mentioned and we talked about this coming into it off of the Bucks game. Now the game script gets away from you there, and you start to look at rushing yards, etc. This is another game. Eagles have had big running games, so when you look down, and I said this in the pregame as well. You got to be careful of what Jalen Hurts can do with his legs. He runs eight times for seventy-seven yards, sixty-four from Boston Scott, sixty-four from Miles Sanders. Right? It's a two hundred-plus yard rushing day for the Philadelphia Eagles. The flip side of it is fourteen to thirty-one. 129 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. That's Jalen Hurts' stat line from this. And I think coming into this game, like you say, hats off to Patrick Graham because you look at it, you know you're going to give something somewhere. But you had to look at this relative to the quarterback, his level of experience, and what you felt like you could scheme him into to say, we'll take our chances. We'll we'll look at Devontae Smith and try to take him out of the game flow, make you look to your second and third options, and then – We talked about this early in the season a lot. The Giants have been a little bit more effective. When the opportunities come, you have to take the turnovers. And the Giants did that. Secondary, a lot of players I think we want to touch on in general. But I said it (laughs) almost just at the wrong time. Uh, It came back on a holding penalty when Julian Love failed to make a tackle in the open field that would have been a touchdown for Philly. But overall, Julian Love had a number of big plays in this game. He looks like a guy who who has taken time to, to get into his rhythm, to find his spot inside of this system. And now because of injuries, he's had to step up a little bit more. And I, I really liked what I've seen from him. He seems a lot more confident, a lot more comfortable, made a lot of big plays throughout this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, Julian Love was a nice bright spot for the Giants. I also wanted to say Aaron Robinson looked really good. He kind of had to fill in once the Jackson, Darnay Holmes goes out It's next man up. Uh, he had one uh, pass breakup incompletion, um, none of the cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, gave up more than 34 yards when they were targeted. Mm. So, all overall, just a, an amazing effort by the secondary. Um, I want to touch on two things. One is Xavier McKinney. I mean, yeah. the, the guy is a ball hawk. I I, I say this tongue in cheek, but he's kind of like what the Cowboys wish Trayvon Diggs was, where like mm. he gets turnovers, but he doesn't give up enormous plays as a result of it. Like it just feels like Xavier McKinney is all over the field he's in the right position and he kind of baits quarterbacks into making throws that he knows he's athletic enough to go get and 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 that's kind of an indictment a little bit on Jalen Hurts too and and that's why it's it's so tough like the defense played so well Jalen Hurts made so many critical mistakes he made Daniel Jones-esque mistakes Giants crushed Daniel Jones for those types of boneheaded plays the one at the end of the first half Jalen Hurts there's seven or eight seconds left in the game. You have a guaranteed three points to be able to get you, get your team on the board. Yeah. And he throws like an inexcusable interception at the goal line to take points off the board for his team. Like you can't do that. The other interceptions he's throwing into double coverage deep down the field, like these are just basic rudimentary things that you cannot do if you expect to win a game.
0: No, and this was, again, this is that piece. We said, well, Tom Brady, hard guy to do it against. Derek Carr, a little bit easier to do it against. Jalen Hurts, even easier to do it against. Is this a recipe that you can run out against veteran-experienced quarterbacks? Probably not, because they're they're going to know to rein themselves in a little bit, but this was a game where Jalen Hurts, again, we, I, I, you know, pat a small pat on the back of, if you keep forcing a quarterback into a tight spot where he thinks, well, at some point I got to go for it, at some point I got to push downfield, an inexperienced quarterback or a quarterback that can get frustrated is going to want to make the big play. And then it kind of compounds itself too, because once you make the first mistake, you want to make up for that mistake. And then it's the second mistake and it's the third mistake. The Giants got a fumble in this one as well. Um, listen, it, it, it's just a great performance. The, the one the one thing that I want to take away before we get over um to some some post-game stuff and then to the offensive side of, of this game is it is a division game. We we talk about this all the time, and I think you know the Giants come into it. Obviously, uh, being a bad football team and relatively speaking, we'll also touch on the state of the playoff picture and wild cards. You know, it's not the first thing on your mind if you're the New York football giants. And even if you're the Eagles, this is a big game for them. They could have kind of entrenched themselves pretty deep into the wild card conversation, maybe even on the fringe of the division because Dallas was coming off a loss as well. So these are tough games, right? Like these are it doesn't matter. This is kind of the thing where cliche. If it's a division game, rivalry game, you throw the records out the window and you know it's going to be a battle. So that, that to me is a big tip of the cap to the New York football giants for getting the job done. The other side of this conversation, however, um, is the offense. But before we do, a little bit of fun. I think the defense was really proud of what they accomplished here. They close out this game. They get the job done. And uh, they they send off the Philadelphia Eagles back to their home in Philadelphia with a a little bit of a reminiscent jingle for those who are familiar with a a show that's been on the air, um, you know, not too long, just about 20 years or so. Uh, Did you enjoy the ribbing? Are the Giants justified in having some fun here, given the state of their season?
1: Listen, anytime you get a divisional win against a rival, you play that music until the cows come home. Like this is a well-deserved win. That defense played their butts off and they deserve everything that they got. You you can't look back and say, well, because we, we lost to the Atlanta Falcons that we can't celebrate a big time win against division right. rival. Like I'm, I'm not here for any of that. Like it, I, I know it's so cliche to say, but it, it is so hard to win an NFL football game. Like you see these teams come in like, the Lions are zero nine and one, and they're playing competitive right to the every yep. single end snap. They they could have easily three or four wins on the schedule if Justin Tucker doesn't hit a sixty six yarder. If they play a little better, you know, again against Chicago, they're in all these games. It is so hard to win in the NFL that like that's why when the Chiefs were struggling, but they're winning games, you're like, yeah, the Chiefs don't look good even in their four consecutive wins. You're like. I mean what what do you want them to do like they're put they're they're winning the games that they're supposed to they're not getting style points but good thing that there's not like a BCS ranking or anything like that here there's no voting like you just play what your record is you are what your your record says you are and the Giants just moved one game closer to actually being in the hunt in the playoff considerations and Adam get you know we'll, we'll get to it in a second but given the next two games that the Giants have in front of them like this could this could get interesting for the Giants really quick.
0: Uh yes, it can. It can. But I've done. I've I've crunched some numbers on some things, and I've done some projections. So we will get into what's possible for them specifically. Obviously, in the wild card. Let's be clear. We're not. We're not going overboard, right? We're not. I mean, going do for, we, by the way, do we proper have prediction from about yours, truly. I was only. I was only. Quick side note before we get to the offense. I was a Daniel Jones rushing touchdown away from making Giants fans a lot of money yesterday I know. because There's I no, said a little. That. The parlay, man, plus plus 2,400, looking for a little over on on Ingram's yards, looking for, I said, alternate line, lay four and a half to the Eagles. And then just Daniel Jones came up a little bit short. I I was actually feeling bullish earlier in the game than as it kind of went along, and I saw the direction it was going to take. And that's because, um, Andy, you wanted it. Giants fans needed it. Nay, they demanded it. Jason Garrett, he's a bum. Get him out of here wait until you see the innovation that comes in from Freddie kitchens on this new look offense, because there are positives here that I want to take away, but where did this performance offensively for the giants stack up for you? Um, you know, I'm using you as the universal giants fans that really thought Jason Garrett was holding things back. You make the switch. Were you a little bit underwhelmed by what the giants did offensively in this game?
1: Look, I mean, it wasn't great. We talked about what, is success looks like was it just as simply you know points it was being able to move the ball a little bit now I mean it's it's really tough this was one of those games where the defense was playing so well that it's almost like the offense just needs to get out of the way right like that's i you kind of felt like is Philly gonna get to, to double digit points like that mm-hmm. was the goal and once you know you're tacking on field goals as the Giants you, you you got a six point lead. You're like, just don't muck this up. Don't do some inexcusable play where Daniel Jones turns the ball over, or you have a fumble by by one of the wide receivers on a play, right? Like you're you're trying to just say like, get out of the way, right? So
0: so then, 100. It's a really bad defense in Philly. You know, Daniel Jones throws for 200 yards in this game, 19 to 30, has the touchdown, no interceptions, connects with uh, Myrick, as we all knew he was going to in the end zone for a a sweet touchdown there uh, on the early drive. But, you know, Saquon Barkley, 13 carries for 40 yards, 12 for eight. If you take away the 32 yard long run that he had in this game, that was concerning. Um, You know, Daniel Jones, I thought that he used his legs effectively, right? Got himself into a couple of dangerous, (laughs) dangerous spots as far as getting down and avoiding some of the big hits. But, you know, I'm not here's why I'm positive on this, because I didn't think that it was simply Jason Garrett is ruining the New York football Giants offense and you need to get him out of there. I think that this game in a lot of ways, it tells you where the offense is right now. There's a lot of things you're trying to figure out. Now, again, you're missing Kadarius Toney. You're missing Sterling Shepard, right? Like John Ross ends up playing, but you are missing key pieces. So there's no, there's no excusing that, but that's happened all year long. This is the healthiest that the offensive line has been. They've been together collectively as long as they have all season. This to me, this is the game script for the giants, right? Have Patrick Graham scheme his way to success against quarterbacks that are susceptible to making mistakes, avoid mistakes on offense and try to get yourself to a win. It's it's the antithesis of, of the modern NFL, but this is the path forward for them right now. And I still and I I'll be very curious. Over the next two, three weeks, I think you'll see more. Daniel Jones is wearing the wristband, right? So there's some new wrinkles. They talked about it on the broadcast. You can't come in and give 30 new plays. It's gonna be a couple of situational opportunities that you try to have success with. And I'll give credit to Kitchens to say, I see the game script here. I'm not going to go overboard and try to do too much. I'm going to keep ourselves within ourselves. Let's make sure that we get the win, right? That's the number one goal is get the win. But again, really bad Philadelphia defense. And this Giants team offensively was just not capable of doing enough, of making some of those big plays that we wanted to see being a little bit more explosive. I, you know, you wanted to be up in this game, 17 to three at halftime. That's what it should have been with the way this defense was performing. So, you know, you don't get rewarded there, but I'm going to keep watching it, see what happens. And the last thing is Eagles didn't know what the Giants were going to do offensively. That's why it's also a little bit of a sting here because they didn't get to scout anything. Any of the wrinkles the Kitchens wanted to put in, Eagles have no tape on that. So you weren't able, you didn't even have these real explosive, even two or three really big plays, maybe shy of that run for Saquon Barkley that that said hey you've never you've never been able to game plan for this and we're going to expose you on that end. So
1: all right Adam, Adam, I will not let you sit back here and just make it all doom and gloom, right? So I'm, I'm going to give positive you about it. I'm I'm going to give you all the positive signs and then I'll give you one or two negative signs from the offense. And you can feel feel free to dispute any of these that you want, sure. but I think there's there's a couple different things that happen here. One, Daniel Jones only threw for 200 yards, one touchdown. Zero interceptions, zero fumbles, mm-hmm. only a, hand, a handful of pressures overall. 94 passer rating, not going to light the world on fire, but it's not going to kill you. I mean, like he played the game, he played a very mediocre game, right? Fair
0: QBR 47.
1: Kids. Yeah, QBR 47. When you look at Jalen Hurts, his passer rating and his QBR were the same at 17 and a half. Right, but we're not, not comparing
0: Ter- quarterback to quarterback. I mean, and, uh,
1: but, but I want to stay but, positive. My let pushback let me, on me,
0: that one is. He's done this underneath Jason Garrett over the course of the year. When you don't ask him to do a lot and he throws for low yardage, he can protect the football. Continue.
1: Second, Daniel Jones had nine runs for 30 yards. The nine runs was the most he's had in two seasons, even before Jason Garrett. So, like, the idea is they figured out these run-pass options, get Daniel Jones into space. Don't, you know, we know that our offensive line isn't great. He Mm -hmm. found a way to manufacture yards on the ground knowing that you know I'll get into it in a second our run game was non-existent. So like kudos to to that side for being able to figure out a way to manufacture things so Daniel Jones doesn't have to drop back and pass every single time.
0: Yep, no, I, I again, I always lump it in there, 30 rushing yards, it is good. And the more attempts that he gets is good. I know that we're talking about less in terms of a per per carry, right? But that's okay. These are opportunities when you're looking to have a potential RP RPO potential to get downfield. And if the look isn't there, pick up four or five yards, go down and then get yourself into a positive second down. hundred percent game script wise, a lot more positive than negative. Although as I did text you, the giants still managed to find themselves in a third and plus 20.
1: Right. Well, let me, let me give you a couple more good things. Kenny Galladay targeted seven times. Very happy that we're trying to get him involved in the offense. A couple times down, you know, towards the end zone, they're trying to get him the ball. They're trying to get him into one-on-one matchups. Didn't work out. Some of the balls were kind of thrown where he can't just go up and be athletic and get it. I expect to see more of that. I was encouraged by that. So him getting more targets and Saquon Barkley getting five targets out of the backfield in the passing game allows that extra little ability for the Giants to manufacture, you know, not necessarily a run play, but a play that's safe enough to get you four or five yards down the field. I was very happy to see that as well.
0: The Kenny Galladay piece that I really liked was it's two targets when you're approaching the red zone from about the you know 15 to 25 yard line. And we've talked about this, right? Where are the explosive plays. Not not, not talking about 40-yard bombs. We're just talking about can you Can you take advantage of that size matchup? And to your point, down the right sideline into the end zone, not a well thrown ball. Got a high point that so Galladay can go get it. Goes for him in the left side of the end zone. Doesn't. It's a back shoulder fade, and he throws it to the inside shoulder, the front shoulder, so allows the defender to be there. Now, in that regard, so I like I like the premise of what they're trying to do. But if we're and just as the the footnote here, if we're talking about evaluating Daniel Jones, I come out of this game saying, hey. Freddie kitchens gave you a couple opportunities that right there, those two plays alone, take away the touchdowns and Daniel Jones could be throwing for 250 in this game. One touchdown, no interceptions, right? And then the sky's the limit could have been a three touchdown game. So depending on which way and let's go positive, right? If Daniel Jones can throw a couple of better balls, then this is a much more explosive game for this offense. And it does look a little bit different. So that's, that's, that's the positive negative. Now it's about, give me another two, three sample size of those plays and show me, you can make those throws accurately. Daniel Jones, which you've shown, you are a good deep, deep ball uh, passer from the pocket.
1: Yes, uh, I agree. Those are bad throws by Daniel Jones. But the fact that they're now trying it, I'm excited yep. to see that more incorporated in the offense because we haven't seen a ball thrown to Kenny Galladay basically like that ever since he's been on the Giants. So those are two positives. I'll give you one more thing that I want to talk about on the offense, and then we'll look ahead to, uh, to the next couple of games of what's in front of the Giants. But Andrew Thomas and Billy Price – Yes, sir. Zero pressures against them when Daniel Jones dropped back to pass. We all know this. Andrew Thomas is awesome. Like, he is great, and the Giants are a completely different team when he is protecting the blind side of Daniel Jones. Also, there was a couple of different, like, screen passes. The Giants used a little bit more screen action, it felt like, just to get the ball out um, against some of the Eagle blitzes. You mm-hmm. saw Billy Price down the field making that second-level block a couple different times to open up this. I thought those two players on the offensive line played great in the passing game. Um, you know, the, the one issue is the, the, the run blocking on the offensive line was pretty terrible. It felt like anytime someone was trying to run the ball, whether it's Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, or anyone Fletcher Cox, or someone was already two or three yards into the backfield. Yeah. Pro football focus already said that they're going to have like sub 60 grades, all of the offensive line in terms of, of run blocking, if you have to look at something, obviously not being able to manufacture points the way that we wanted to was, was the big, you know, screaming number one thing. But the other one is while we did not really have Jones under siege, we really could not run the ball with any certainty or, or any effectiveness.
0: No. And again, I don't, you know, three carries for Booker in this, you know, 10 yards. You, I mentioned before, it's an absolutely terrible per carry average for Saquon Barkley. If you take away the one big run and, and this is again, this is a part of it, though. So this is an offensive line we've talked about before. Well, where are where are they having success versus where are they struggling? And then on a game to game basis, they go, you know what, we're going to do the exact opposite. We're going to struggle in a new spot this week. Now, the run blocking has struggled at times for them. And I I don't know if it's you know, we've talked about this before. It's like the lack of consistency. Is it a lack of continuity? But it, it is disappointing in the sense that now Price, who's had his struggles as well, if he's starting to figure things out a little bit and we know what Thomas is capable of, now you look in between them and, and you know, listen, not to back, not to go way back here, but it, it's so disappointing to not have been able to have Shane Lemieux out there all year, to not be able to have Nick Gates under center all year, over center all year, right? Like these are the things that make you wonder, how could it impact? And I'm not talking about blowing the doors off, right? I'm just saying, oh, Maybe Saquon's running for 65 yards in this game because a couple more holes get open. So it's it's an interesting I, one. And like I, I say, to, I, I'm more positive than anything. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I had one question for you, and and it's uh, it's on Giants Twitter's mind It's like you're watching Nate Solder out there. You know, bless his heart, he's trying, but it it's just brutal. And it's like you know, there, there's a couple of people that I you know I'll, I'll try to give credit where I can, but people ask the question when Andrew Thomas is out for three weeks, we bring Matt parrot in and he plays left tackle protecting daniel jones and is okay replacement level fine like decent and then andrew thomas comes back and and he matt goes to the bench and nate solder plays right tackle like at this point someone has to give me an answer as to why like is parrot really struggling that much on the right hand side like what do you have any idea why Nate Solder is still out there. I mean, you, you've been banging on this drum for a while, but there is clearly a reason. It's not like the Giants don't see it. So, so what is this underlying reason that he goes to the bench and Nate Solder is is getting out there, getting beat on almost every other play?
0: For me, I, I what I think it is is a couple of things. It's it's a theme of the franchise, loyalty, right? Nate Solder's guy's been there. He hasn't been good. We know what what's gone on in his personal life. And that's impressive that he's come back to the team that combined with what the record is for the New York football giants, uh, you know, is Matt is paired a better player than Nate soldier at this point. I think so, right? Whatever he may give up or whatever, some of those little issues could be. We see the tape that soldiers putting out there. So for me, I'd be putting paired out there right now. I didn't know. I thought for a second, it was going to say, well, if you saw him at left tackle, would you consider shuffling things? Right. Andrew Thomas, like we know Andrew Thomas is entrenched at the left side give pert every opportunity. Now you can you can make the case that listen, the the one or two mistakes that pert's going to make are so crucial and in the biggest spots or they're so glaring. We remember, right? The standing still as he gets run past. I don't get it, but I think that if you if you look at the record, you say, here's a guy that's been with us. You're probably not losing anything other than reps for pert right now by having soldier start. And then that's probably what it is. If the giants were closer to 500, if they were in the hunt here for the division, then I think one of two things parrot would have been getting a lot more reps. They would have been trying to work through it, or you would have seen the giants make a move to solidify that side of the line. As hard as that may be with their financial situation. I'm I'm confused by it. Um, But but again, maybe the long term for pert is just that he's going to be a backup swing tackle for the giants. And that's why you saw him get reps on the left side. And you don't want to overexpose him. He's a young player. He still has room to grow. Nate Solder is a guy that's just giving you as much as he can. And we tip our cap to him (laughs) as he does that to whatever level of success.
1: Now. So, Adam, you just mentioned in the hunt for the division. They may not be in the hunt for the division, Adam, but on all of the graphics on Fox and everywhere else, the New York football giants have managed to fit on the screen where they show the wild card picture and the teams in the hunt the New York giants are one game back in the win column of being a playoff team. And I I know that, that it, that sounds ridiculous. And people are like, if the giants are in the hunt, who's not in the hunt. Like that's, that's kind of like the, the running joke on, on Twitter right now. But Adam, after this win, the, the giants are one win out right now. And they have games in front of them that they have the opportunity to compete and, and potentially win. So, where's your mind at in terms of what happens from here for the Giants and what the expectation should be?
0: Yeah, listen, and I'm going to keep this pretty. I'm going by the numbers, right? So, the Giants do have winnable games. We said at the start of the year, very winnable back end of their schedule. They're going to see again the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to see Philly again. They're going to see Washington again. They've got Miami mixed in there. There are some teams, though, that maybe at the beginning of the year, even Miami, right? They're still a competitive team. The Chicago Bears are far more competitive this year than I think we anticipated they were going to be. So the schedule isn't maybe as easy as we think. Uh, certainly the Chargers are a, a bit of an enigma. They're a week to week kind of team as well. So there's games to be won, but simply by the numbers, the Rams lead the wild card. We get that. The 49ers are going to get to nine wins. You can go and look at the schedule if you want. This is, you know, do it in the background, but the 49ers can get to nine wins reasonably over the rest of their schedule they have six right now the falcons and uh, the 49ers get to nine the vikings falcons and eagles can all get to eight wins now the problem there obviously is a big win for the falcons giants lost to them so now you're talking about where are you going to fall in this hierarchy as it stands right now give the rams the first wild card spot give the 49ers the second wild card spot let's just say right other teams could come up here But then you got three teams that can get to eight wins. You have the head-to-head coming up against the Eagles at the back end of the season. You can win that and get past them. I'm taking away Washington, assuming you beat them and get past them as well, right? But then you fall into this mix of the Bears, Washington football team, and the Saints, who can all get to seven. The Giants have the tiebreaker over the Saints. They have Chicago in front of them to get a W there if possible. The bottom line is eight and nine. Is going to probably put you in the spot where you lose out to the Falcons for the third wild card spot because of the tiebreaker head to head. It makes the number five. If you want to guarantee a playoff spot, you have to get to nine wins if you're the Giants. That's the way, that's the way it plays out right now. By the way, the Eagles having just lost that game, it's a big one. They play five of their last six games, including yesterday, against the division. So that you know, they're gonna have there's gonna be big opportunities let we'll us rip our hair out, trying to figure out if we want Washington to win the games. We want Philly to win this one Do we on Dallas to take that game. How, how does everything play out week to week? There's a lot of games there, but eight and nine is, is going to put you in a spot where you're probably getting bounced by somebody else. Unless Atlanta really falls off here on the back end, they've been competitive, makes the loss look a little bit less egregious at the start of the year. That gives you one loss over the rest of the season, you know? So the, Dallas, you want to say that's going to be a hard one to win? Okay. Then you just need to go beat Chicago, Washington, Philly, LA, and uh also what, Miami. Miami
1: Dolphins, yeah.
0: That that's what it looks like right now. And by the way, that's not the measuring stick for success this year. We talked about it. But if you're if you're talking about being in the hunt, quote unquote, that's what it's going to take. Eight wins will put you in the discussion, and that could be success to say, hey, we missed it by this much. Nine wins, probably. Probably if you look at all these team schedules and the way it lays out, that probably gets you the third wildcard spot. And that would be damn impressive. And also a near impossible task.
1: Well, listen, I love the deep research and recon that you did in terms of just setting the stage of where the giants are at. Yeah. Now here's two things can, they're not mutually exclusive. The giants could finish eight, and nine and miss the playoffs. Yep. And it could be considered a, a successful season for the giants. As yes. they build towards something greater, right? Yes, I, like if I said to you, the Giants are going to go four and two, finish eight and nine, would you sign up for that right now? Of course, of course, right? Right there, like they, they were supposed to get six and a half wins on the season. If they get to eight after dumping two games early in the season that were very winnable games mm-hmm. in the Falcons game and the Washington game, like you're, you're kind of saying, if they finish with eight wins, that they're kind of a couple bet, you know, di- breaks a different way from being a playoff team. Which a lot that's of teams get eight and six
0: after starting zero three, right? That's the right. big. That's only eight and six over a large sample size, and we we've, we've said this before: the games are the games, the records are the records. Some games are worse or better, right? Look at the good, really good teams they played; those have been some of their worst losses. Fine, we're not telling you that these are division juggernauts, but are we saying can they compete for a wild card spot right now and over the next couple of years? 8 and 9 that kind of record that tells you they're capable of that.
1: Yes, and and listen, the Atlanta points are a very good one because while we have the tiebreaker it's over devastating. the Yeah, the while we have the tiebreaker over the Panthers, you'd rather have the tiebreaker over the Falcons right now because one team looks like it's going up and the other yep. team looks like it's going down. But I will say, Adam, the you looked at the 49ers schedule. If you look at the Atlanta schedule, there aren't that many wins left for a, Atlanta, you know. They play Tampa Bay, they play the 49ers, they play the Bills, right? And then the other 3 games are the Panthers but they're playing at Carolina. They have to play the Saints, the last game of the season, which could potentially, you know, still be in it if if they if they figure out their quarterback situation, and they play the Lions. So you mm-hmm. you think what two three wins are, are are kind of on that schedule? So that puts them around seven or eight, and then it's like, well, if multiple teams tie with eight. Then all of a sudden it's not head to head. It's all these different other convoluted things of uh, a you know, NFC record and all that different stuff. So, well,
0: and that, by the way, and that's a big part of this and that's, you know, because you, you mentioned that too, as you say, they're going to play the Atlanta, they'll play Carolina, they'll play the Saints. So where these division records stack up and that's what makes it hard, a, a tall order, but one that can be climbed. Remember the Giants losing the game early in the season to Washington is a big, is a big factor here. Because at best, I'm looking at it and saying the Giants can go three and three in the division, probably. Like, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to say you're going to beat Philly and you're going to beat Dallas and you're going to beat Washington over the back end of the season. So you're going to be a 500 team in the division. That's OK, but not necessarily great. And to your point about Atlanta, listen, games are difficult on a week to week basis. But I, that, that's how I got there. Right. And said, if you're an eight win team. Atlanta only needs to grab Carolina, the Lions, and then one other one. Maybe it's the Saints at the end of the year. They're on a pretty big losing streak right now. Might not have anything to play for by then other than upset special, which is a big factor, but that's kind of where you get to on a lot of these teams, and when you're the Giants trailing by a couple of wins right now, that's what makes it so hard because you look at six games and say, well, I need a team, Atlanta or otherwise, who's been playing pretty good football. I need them to go two and four. Right. I need them to do what we did at the start of the year. Right. I need no and three stretch for you guys, and then we get back in it. And that, that's hard, not impossible, but, I, but the, the big overall thing for me is too it's like have, have a good end of the season, play solid football. Right. It, it got to be better than what we saw yesterday on offense. So show me that. Right. The first thing I'm doing is evaluating. The second thing I'm doing is peeking over at the wild card. You know, and the last thing I'm worried about is, is what, what the expectations were this year versus where they finished.
1: Yeah, so Adam, there's one key point that I want to make. We're, yeah. we're all excited and we're talking about the in the hunt, playoff picture, all this stuff. Go back seven days ago or six days ago when we, when we got dismantled by Tampa. We were kind of like, oh, this is debilitating and depressing. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the, the other thing is we're talking about the Giants going four and two just to level set with every listener out there. The Giants are going to be underdogs in their next three games. So like, underdogs against yeah, they're, they're, they're,
0: they're four point by the time the game starts a four-point underdog to the Eagles.
1: Right. So, like I look at the the Miami Dolphins game, like it's a winnable game for the Giants, but they're already the early Vegas line says they're two and a half point underdogs. The the following game, they have to go out to Los Angeles and play the Chargers, who mm-hmm. you know, you got to go cross country. And then Dallas comes to the Met, you know, MetLife Stadium. It's those three games. Uh, could very easily go 0-3 considering the Giants are going to be underdogs in all three. But, hey, a win is a win in the division. It gets us excited. It allows us to feel this thing after Thanksgiving where it's like, well, if we win a couple games, maybe we got a shot. And guess what? That's all I need going into December is to feel like this team is making progress. And I think against the Philadelphia Eagles, defensively, we definitely did. Offensively, there's still some work to do but I'm encouraged by some of the little nuggets that you could take away from this game.
0: Yeah. And by the way, that that's why this move was made. Uh, and then that's the that big thing about Jason Garrett. This was just about, Hey, we need to continue to evaluate what we have here, not just on the field, but also on the coaching staff, right? Freddie kitchens. Here's a nice set of games for you to show me what you're capable of. I'm not going to judge you on one of them, but we're going to take the collection of the back end of this season and see where we stand. end of the day for me, Keep your eye on the game. Every time the Giants win one, obviously it's great. As soon as they lose that next game, that's when you're on notice. That that's when officially everything becomes an incredibly delicate dance. If you want to even dream about that third wild card spot, and that's really where you need to anchor your mind—the third wild card spot and potentially sneaking in there. As we I, say,
1: go ahead. Oh, so go ahead, Andy. A little I little bonus one, at the end of that. I the day? Had one one little bonus thing. So obviously, you know, it's it's very apropos to just pile on to Jason Garrett once he leaves because all the problems get shipped out with him. Um, But you know, there there's a breaking report this morning. I believe it's from like CBS news that said uh, Joe judge wanted Jason Garrett out during the middle of last season and ownership. And everyone else said, you don't have head coaching experience. We need someone on staff. And it's the reason why Freddie kitchens ended up joining the the giant staff because they've been friends for 17 years. They worked together at Mississippi state. He had head coaching experience and play calling yep. Bringing bring yep. in Freddie Kitchens actually allowed Joe judge to be able to make this move. And so, you know, it, it, while we're piling on Jason Garrett and not all these problems are his, the writing has been on the wall for quite a while that, you know, Joe judge has been upset with the development of Daniel Jones, the conservative play calling felt like the defense was doing enough to get wins. You know, this is the latest nugget. Just saying Joe judge was not on board with Garrett. They were oil and water and it started with Colombo. As you mentioned, Adam, you know, previous in our, in our previous episode, but the reading was on the wall. Garrett had to go. It, you know, ownership finally said, "Fine, you can cut ties." And now we're going to see what a Joe Judge-led team with his buddy Freddie Kitchens calling the plays is going to look like.
0: Yeah. This. Uh, yes. A hundred percent. We'll get into it during the week here because that nugget from last season again tells you about some of the dysfunction that's gone on inside of this organization over the last handful of years, and that's what makes it so frustrating, right? It makes you, you want right to know up. about your coach. It makes
1: you look up, doesn't it? right away makes you
0: look up and think about the big guy <laughs> carl shout out to any simpsons fans out there we'll be back in during the middle of the week we're going to break down uh, some of the injury takeaways expectations about who's going to be available for the upcoming game we'll look around at some other matchups around the league and and tell you games that we want to watch for over next week as well because every this is a week-to-week life now for the new york football giants and the fan base to say if these teams lose and we win hey maybe something's possible but at the end of the day It's just good to see a win for the New York football Giants. Good to see progress from young players. And as Andy Mackiewicz would want, need, and nay, demand that people know.
1: As always, let's go Big Blue.